reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mail bag podcast we got a lot to get through is dj afraid to throw deep have expectations changed wandell robinson Jalen high we got a lot to get through justin how are you feeling a few days after this 49ers loss oh man this is the first time in like a whole, in a whole entire week where i don't have like a 100 degree fever so i have energy back <laughs> i actually feel really good and i feel like the slate has hopefully been wiped clean uh we have like a little bit of like a it's like a little bit of like a low-key bye week. We're playing Thursday and then not even playing till Monday night. So I feel like let's hey, let's do it again. Season starts uh, Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks, a good team, uh, but certainly watching them play the Panthers and even watching the Dallas Cowboys lose to the lose to the Cardinals makes me feel somehow a little bit better about this Giants team. How about you, Bobby? Yeah, I mean those games don't really change my thoughts on too much. Like. We're going to get into it, but to me, it's it's about the Giants and running their race and who needs to play better on their team and how do they play versus different opponents, not name the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers. So there's a lot to get into. Before we get into the mailbag, Justin, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Lucas Widerka, who asked me to, like, hey, you didn't say anything about my name, and I think he's trying to set me up, so I'm just going to say Luca Lucas Widerka Nowitzki. Mm. Uh, we have Smith Smithereens, by the way. I know everyone likes their own, their new names, but they're they're confusing, especially when I'm writing envelopes for free stickers. And then Jeremy Liff, not Jeremy Lin, not Jeremy Set Down, Jeremy Liff. Justin, who are these people? And Derek, they, these wonderful people went to Patreon.com/slash Talker Giants, two dollars a month. Like that's literally it. Plus some other tiers. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of other people that are part of the World Beater tier. So thank you so much to those people. Uh, Bobby Skinner, when you sign up, we'll send you some free stickers in the mail. Well, not uh, really free. You're paying for the Patreon. I guess they're not free. Some additional stickers. How about that? Game uh, notes. There, there's some game notes. That's also true. That you know the Patreon Twitter is a is is a good follow. I am part of it. I follow it. I do not tweet from it though. Um, Bobby Skinner will never let me. Uh, what else? Some shirts, patreon.com slash talking giants. Thanks to our patrons. We love you. And one week from today when we're recording this, so six days from when you're actually listening to this, uh, view the link in the show notes and in the description, talking giants tailgate. We're going to be running it back. The Candlewick diner will be, will be catering it. So view the, the link is in the description to get your tickets. We will see you there. Lot L 16 Monday night football, MetLife stadium. We are back. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. 
Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from One Giant Nooner at One Giant Nooner. Do we think Daniel Jones is afraid to throw deep, Bobby Skinner? Now, I don't love the phrasing of this question as afraid, but it was actually the only question about it, which I thought was surprising. Daniel Jones is throwing deep 7.2% this year compared to 4.9% last year, which is the highest since 2020. But it's still well short of his 11.8% fearlessness in 2019, which I'm not even, like, I don't even need us to be at 12%. So afraid to me isn't the right word. But Jalen Hyatt changes things, man. And you have to be anticipate, have to anticipate Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt, so Hyatt is truly a game changer the way he's able to get open and win deep, right? You can change the game. Guess what? You can also change the game negatively if you're not taking those shots that are there. Because you 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 can view it as an 8-yard gain, but in reality, it's like an, a 60-yard gain opportunity loss or 40-yard gain or whatever loss. And in the 49ers game, there was a play where Hyatt clearly won. DJ had time in the pocket, and you just have to anticipate. Like, he's not... and. Even more so, you can't just have to anticipate with Hyatt because you know he's going to get open. But he's so fast that if you don't anticipate, you're going to underthrow him. Right? And you can't expect him to go up and make contested catches. So with Hyatt, especially the stuff that's designed for him, which the throw that I highlighted in the film review was designed for him, not the screenshot play that people were sharing around that I got pissed off about. You have to. When he wins leverage, he's won the route. As long, if there's no safety over the top and he's one leverage, and even with safety over the top, you can win sometimes. You just have to throw it to Hyatt. Okay? And this was the question we had at the contract signing, Justin, about Daniel Jones. Was the biggest worry of Daniel Jones to me was, is he an inherently conservative QB? And right now, the answer would be yes. Like, he's, you know, he's he's 30th and, and deep tar, a deep pass rate in the NFL through three games. I mean, the offensive line is inevitably part of that. However, it's so tough, man, because we're talking about the one offensive line in- is a part of that. But there's been times he's passed it up. Oh, right, and and that's what I'm saying. You know, there's there's times where the offensive line's part of that. But even though it's really tough, that it's like, oh, this is one play on film. This is one missed opportunity in a game where it's a five point game in the in the second half. That changes things, man. I mean, this is why you pay a quarterback $40 million. Uh, Even if it's one play, that one play could, that 40-yard play, how often have I been talking about explosive plays? Okay, if you don't throw that ball to Hyatt out of the half, do do they win the game? Maybe not. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you're taking plays off. Like, where Hyatt's a game changer, missing can, can also be a game changer and a negative effect. Right, right. Where you don't know what that explosive play will do. And then also, you don't know what that explosive play will force a defense to do in turn as well, where maybe a defense won't get as aggressive where the 40, you know, I watched your film review, the 49ers were aggressive all game long, playing man coverage, playing, playing press. Um, you know, they're all, they were not necessarily bringing a, a ton of blitzes because the offensive line was just losing when they were rushing four and five, but maybe they get, Oh, we have to respect this Hyatt, we have to expect the Hyatt deep play. We have to uh, respect the arm of Daniel Jones, which right now that's just not happening. The 49ers did not have any respect for the giant skill position player's ability to get open. And then therefore they clearly haven't respected Daniel Jones's ability to throw to, to those guys deep. Um, yeah. And that needs to change. And I want to talk about the wide receiver room and Hyatt playing a little more in a question we get in a couple of questions, uh, a couple of questions from now. But yeah, like even like to go back to week one and the the whole shot, right? 
Those are just got to be like those are throws that a 2019 Daniel Jones didn't pass up, and it kind of got beaten out of them. And then by personnel, it's like, well, there wasn't really like you go last year when people talk about, well, they didn't throw it deep last year. It's like, okay, but there wasn't. There's very few opportunities missed, right? Like it wasn't like there's all this stuff happening downfield and DJ was just missing it. That's really wasn't the case. Where this year with Hyatt, you gotta, you've gotta change the mindset, and that's the coaching. If he's not gonna do it, the coaching has to get him into that mindset of taking those shots because they're gonna be there. And again, if Hyatt gets a guy's hips open one way and the route is breaking off the other way, he's won. As soon as that guy's hips open, Hyatt has won. The speed is that real, and you need that. And also. We got to connect on, you know, the Darius Slayton plays that we missed versus the Cardinals. Uh, and there's going to be other opportunities too. But yes, right now, like we need DJ to be play more aggressive. That yeah. if there's one big takeaway for me after these last three games for DJ, it's being the, the like coming away from film with, with the context of the offensive line being horrible and really screwing a lot of the things that Giants want to do up is you got to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there. We've seen Daniel Jones play near borderline perfect quarterback that just needs to happen in an area that we haven't seen the last couple of years and that is being explosive so that's why it's well, like yeah, is, you're is not it, playing the f- well go ahead is it too much to ask daniel jones to really play this perfect ball well we've seen daniel jones play methodically perfect before now it just this needs to we we've said coming into the season that being more explosive is what is going to take this offense from being this average offense to you know poking the hole and and really you know again you know closing the gap between these top teams and the quarterback needs to be be part of that well, and I don't think we're not. If we're playing the 49ers or Cowboys, yes, you got to be perfect. But against other teams, you don't have to be right. And where you can, where you can sacrifice some of that perfection is for the explosives, right? When you're playing other teams, because I mean they they scored zero points in the first half versus the Cardinals, right? Like, and that's where people where a question like I don't know how it got brought up, but I was like, okay, but they are better than last year, in in some aspect, talent wise, because. They would have not been capable of doing what they did in the second half last last year. They just did not have the players on their team to do what they did in the second half versus the Cardinals, which, hey, it's the Cardinals, whatever, ended up beating the Cowboys. But that's where it's like, okay, we have th- – there is a talent upgrade. Now you're playing some better teams, and the 49ers are tough and the Cowboys are tough, but now we're going to, against a stretch of teams that are good these next three games. Now the Dolphins look like the best show on turf, and the Bills obviously, but – Again, they're as good as those teams are. I don't view them defensively on as the same level as the Cowboys and and the 49ers. I know the Cowboys without Diggs is a different animal, but they had Diggs when they played us. Right, right. I think Joe Shane said it earlier this offseason, scared money don't make money. I think that's got to be the coach's message to Jones. It's like, hey, man, you know, scared money don't make money, and Giants Giants offense needs to make more money now. They're, they're a bottom three offense in the NFL right now. They've played very tough opponents, but they are a bottom three. They are a bottom three offense in the NFL right now. And certainly I could, we could have been one and two. I didn't want to start these first three weeks of the season, the Giants and saying the Giants are a bottom three offense in the NFL right now. Yep. So, Hey, another 30 point game gets you, it raises your points per game up to five by four. Quit a 24 point game. Then you're a great, like, so again, this season, I'm not overreacting to these first three games, but like you said, they you can't be a bottom three offense. Justin, next question. Next question is coming from Wacky at Toast underscore EXE. 
Do you believe Wondell Robinson will take over Paris Campbell's slot snaps, and if so, when? I think sooner rather than later. Wondell looked like a much more polished receiver in that game and the limited reps that he had. Yeah. Like if on that first win, drive of the go if ahead. he can win at the release like that, you know, like you're about to talk about the first drive of the game. If he can win at the release like that more, then yeah, like Paris Campbell is averaging like four yards per reception. That's really bad. It's like <laughs> it's running really back bad. carry numbers. <laughs> and and the thing is Paris Campbell, like uh you know, coming away, like when we did the film, uh, you know, did the film breakdown on him in the free agent episode and player profile, what's the thing that we talked about with Paris Campbell? Versus man, he loses the release, he doesn't separate at the stem, and these are the exact same things that we've seen. Again, playing against two man heavy, uh, the 49ers aren't man heavy, but they were man heavy versus the Giants and the Cowboys, right? Where it's like Paris can't win off the release. And at the stem, he's not doing anything to separate. Where Juan Dale, that first, that first third and fourth slant, that was really, really nice release. And he had some good route running stuff on a whip and pivot route that he ran later in the game. So, Wandale, who's already probably better versus man coverage anyways, like he looks to be more polished. He's more of a yak threat. And, again, he can create bigger plays versus man coverage. Think of you know, those third and 15s versus the Ravens in his first real game. And there's a couple other opportunities he had where I think, yeah, that could happen sooner than later with Wandale. Yeah, I, I think some of my answer and response actually relates to the next question that we have. So can I actually read it off, Bobby? Yeah, it's all basically one question anyways. Doug Analytics at Doug underscore Analytics. How has the wide receiver room played out relative to your expectations, snaps, targets, roles, etc.? And what would you change going forward? And I guess the change that I would... There's two things that come to mind. One being Paris Campbell just doesn't... Is not seeming to add anything just he's not adding yards after the catch it doesn't seem like he's getting open it doesn't seem like he's separating all that much and also my my other my other attention goes to sterling shepherd which i hate to be going to sterling shepherd when he's getting 13 or you know 14 percent of the snaps but what are, what are you seeing that sterling shepherd is adding to on film maybe besides blocking well, it's blocking, but he's not really playing very often. Like the two play passes that he was on the field for that pop out was the little conversion they had versus uh, the forty the Cardinals, and then that where they left Bellinger. Bosa unblocked on the play yeah. action. I'm trying to think of what like uh, Shep to me is the least of it because he's not he's really not playing anyways already. Well, and so, I, what I why I bring him up is because I think every snap matters and especially when there's a crowded wide receiver room and a guy like Jalen Hyatt's getting 29% of the snaps when we want to see that go up a little bit. I don't know. I, I could be reaching, but I just, we've, I've always like, we had a whole summer questioning what is Sterling Shepard's role going to be. And it, it another, another wide receiver, which, uh, I just don't know what the, what the point is when there's other guys that need to be out on the field more to try and create more explosives. Let's see. So he's had, 14 snaps. I'm trying to see how many were blocking. 14, 6 blocking. I mean, so he's only ran 8 routes. Offense but hasn't run a lot of plays. <laughs> yeah, but still, that's to me, that's small enough to not care. But here's where I, I think one, Wandale needs to get more snaps than Campbell. Slayton has looked pretty damn good through three games. 
You've got to start taking away some of Hodgins' snaps for Hyatt. Like, okay. Hodgins got shut out. They pressed him up like crazy in this 49ers game. And this, the 49ers did a great job of self-scouting themselves. And being like, hey, yeah, we like to play zone and stuff, but let's get aggressive with this Giants team. We can get aggressive with them. And especially when Hyatt's not on the field, you you got to start – again, it's just not even just the plays that he can make, but the effect he can have on a, on a defense where they're – you know, to, uh, Hufunga is not – you know, becoming the rat defender down in the middle. Instead, he has to play deep and has to respect that. Um, now, there still is issues with Hyatt. He struggles with press and stuff, so you can't just get him free releases all game. But there just has to be more of Hyatt on the field for what he does compared to Isaiah Hodgins. Because it's not like Isaiah. It's not like we're taking someone who's just lighting it up in Isaiah Hodgins either. Again, he in two games, like he had the, he had a good game versus Arizona. The other two games, he had one catch and he fumbled on that catch uh, in garbage time versus the Cowboys. So they just weren't worried. So Hodgins, Hodgins, hey, in the red zone, he's got to be in there more over Hyatt. But Hyatt deserves to create more explosive, plain and simple. Uh, Hyatt's gotten 42 routes. Hodgins has gotten 78. So when Hyatt's on the field, they are throwing the ball. But there's – and hey, and you got to take advantage of those opportunities too. Here's the breakdown of snaps of, you know, when when players are eligible when they're playing – Here's the snaps that they've that they've taken. So 77% for Slayton, 60% for Campbell, 67% for Hodgins. So you can definitely see that going down. Hyatt, 29.25%. Shepard, 14%. Wandell Robinson, 6%. Daniel Bellinger, 54%. Darren Waller, 74%. And then Lawrence Cager has gotten 10% of the snaps as well. And if you're putting Bellinger on the field that often, Hyatt fits that personnel anyways, more so than Hodgins does. So, And again, that's where, that's where a lot of his snaps have come from in anyways, but still, I, I want to see Hyatt on the field more. He's he's explosive. He he, he allows, like a, a lot of Darius Slayton's best yards have come from Jalen Hyatt being on the field and him getting single coverage, which he hadn't gotten in past years. So, um, Yeah. Justin, this episode is brought to you by some special people and it's freaking rocket money. We're going to rock it like rocket fuel. There are subscriptions for everything these days, from streaming services to fitness programs, and sometimes it feels impossible to keep tabs on what you're paying for every month. That's why I'm such a huge fan of rocket money. Rocket, like rocket fuel. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money, like Rocket Fuel, does all the work for you. I, I love this because I am the worst of this. Whereas like I sign up for stuff that I like want to use one time, even like TV stuff, and then I'll forget about it and I'm paying and I'll see it on my bill every month. Like a few years ago, before I had Rocket Money, like Rocket Fuel, uh I just finally, after like two years of paying for stuff I didn't need, I was like, I am going to spend today canceling everything. And I did. But I wouldn't have had to do that if I had Rocket Money. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers can save an average of $720 a year. Use a lot of rocket fuel with that Rocket Money. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash giants. That's rocketmoney.com slash giants. Rocketmoney.com slash giants. You'll be glad you did. We're going to rock it like rocket fuel. All right, Justin, next question. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. 
You'll be glad you did. I want to ask you a side question on the wide receivers, um, since they were really the the 49ers were really aggressive in playing man coverage uh, against the Giants last week. Did you walk out of that saying, man, I wanted some of the wide receivers to win a little bit more since they were playing so much man coverage and it's kind of just like backyard ball? Or were you like oh, fine with some of their performances? There was times where Slayton got a lot more pressed up than I usually would see Slayton get pressed up, but he also had a lot of good wins too um, and wasn't able to take advantage of those. Hodgins got bullied. Like, anytime he got pressed up, he got bullied. Campbell, I obviously... Now, here's what I will say with Campbell, as much as I'm pissed off, like, he didn't get yak, and I just I just didn't see, like, a natural ability to make guys miss, which I've seen with Campbell in the past. DJ was, like, not throwing these guys forward, right? A lot of time he was either, like, kind of stopping them or a little bit behind them. Obviously, we saw it on the wall or miss, too, late in the game, which that one's good. But, like, there was completions to Juan Dale and Campbell on these little out routes where it's like he didn't really lead them that great, and then the 49ers were playing aggressive on it. But Hodgins was the one. I wasn't, but Hodges just got pressed up like crazy. I think we saw that a little bit in camp too. Yeah, yeah. Just not being able to beat that. Um, all right. So next question. This is the question. This is the question that everybody wants to hear. Jeff G at Grek J fifteen. How drastically have your expectations changed for this season after the first three games? I want. I want to. I want to take this first because I know you have. You have a strong opinion on it. You're going to go on a whole little whole little spiel. And I, I think out of all things in Giants land right now, I think this is actually something that maybe we disagree with on the most. But do we actually disagree on it? I'm not saying the season's over. And I'm not being like, oh, you know, it, it Giants are done. But we spent all offseason. You can't deny that this sucks. We spent all offseason being like the Giants are going to close the gap between the teams like the Cowboys, maybe the 49ers, the Dolphins, the Bills, which I would say, if you were to do a power rankings video, which shout out, we do that every week on JM Football. If you were to do a power rankings video, and if you were to put those teams in a tier, all those four teams are in the same top tier in the NFL, that the Giants are going to start to close the gap to some of those top teams. What have we seen through the first three weeks of the season? They very much, very much, very much, very much have not. And who has that fate been kind of like locked into? The fate was locked into like Evan Neal taking that next step up. And who has not taken that step up? Evan Neal. So it has sucked that we competed for three quarters against the 49ers, but the offense was inoperable. So it sucked that the Giants have not closed the gap to those teams. No, the season's not over. And it also really sucks that Evan Neal is not going to be a good right tackle. So maybe we had different expectations, and that's where we disagree. Is one and two in law like when we're not whenever I brought up closing the gap, we all what was also my biggest contention and worry for the Giants' season this year, record wise. There was clearly two teams in the division better than them: the Eagles oh, and the yeah. Cowboys. And obviously, I like the 49ers more than the Cowboys, so that's three teams, and you play two of those teams. Now, we did I think we could cl- we could. Close the close the gap some to the Cowboys and with the coaching gap and stuff make a chance. Yeah, absolutely. But like you mentioned, Evan Neal was the biggest swing pl- player for this Giants, and I never. Ex- I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to be good this year. Like there was some good stuff in camp, and there is improvement in his game. But I was like, still, it's like it doesn't look good. 
And all through camp, I was like, it looks better. And maybe this speaks to the Giants pass rushers a little bit too. It's like the results aren't bad, but it's like it doesn't look great. And he has not been good. We also were missing Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen versus San Francisco 49ers. That's huge. And obviously, yeah. Teal's need to deal with injuries, but not every injury is created equal. So my contention all offseason is there are clearly two teams better in their own division. Then you have the 49ers. And then Evan Neal didn't do it, like didn't grow or didn't get uh, become good. Then this is where I expected if Like Evan Neal growing to me was a hope, not uh, not a confidence thing. Uh you know, and I and we talked about. It. I was like, I was like, stop comparing him to Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas's rookie season was a success. He grew and was good by the end of it. And even Andrew Thomas, as bad as he was, they weren't. He never looked physically outmatched in the NFL. Um, now there's other issues, right? Like I think Kayvon, what we'll talk about, needs to be better. Adore Jackson needs to be better. But I like look at last year and their their stretch where they went 0-2 and one versus Dallas, Washington, and Philly. The defense gave up 32 points per game in that stretch. They're giving up 28 points per game in this stretch, not counting the two touchdowns on offense. The offense, now the offense is a whole seven points worse, um, but they also had two garbage time touchdowns in the Cowboys and Eagles game uh, for Richie James, you know. Uh, and But we saw the Cards uh, Cardinals explosion, which we didn't see that versus teams like the, the Commanders last year. So you have Waller, who's top five tight end in yards. That was one of the big upgrades. Um, and he hasn't even had his big game yet. Hyatt is a difference maker. Now, we need McKinney, Adore, and Kayvon to step their game up. We absolutely need to, them to do that. But that's where, like, my expectations have not changed that much. Maybe, like, again, a little bit. Where where it's like, okay, Evan Neal sucks. And Kayvon, need more out of Kayvon, which we have a Kayvon question later. But We also have a 2022 draft question later. Tell me a, tell me anybody. Anybody from that 2022 draft class, not named Daniel Bellinger, which he's the number two tight end, he's a fine number two tight end. Tell me, anybody from that 2022 draft class had 11 draft picks that is going to be a contributor on this football team? Two years. Kayvon and Neil are going to be here. But, like, a really good contributor on this team in their second contract. Let's put it like that. Yeah, and I want to save some of that for for the question we actually have about Which that's it. part of that's part of the expectations heading into this year is that draft class last year is supposed to be when you have 11 picks and how many top 100 picks, that's supposed to be the foundation of your team. And it's just not, man. It's flat out not and that fucking sucks. Yeah, but I still think this team makes the playoffs. With nine wins or whatever it ends up being, I still think this team makes the playoffs. Maybe yeah. I'm being delusional still, but I still think, I still, again, the Seahawks game can change a lot, right? Because then you have to play the Dolphins, who that does not look like a game you're going to win. The Bills, you know, just dog walk the commander. So, but we always knew the beginning of this schedule was really tough, and the hope was to get through it with like three wins. Can you still get yeah. through it with three wins? Maybe. But even if you only get two, I still think there's like a solid path to nine. Eight nine, eight, eight, nine wins. Because I think you're going to beat it, you know, so. But you got to beat think, the Seahawks. And I think you'll see the big improvements in the offense versus the teams that, again, are not named the 49ers and Cowboys. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, Andrew Thomas needs to come back. Ben Bredesen needs to come back. There's the shot that Saquon Barkley comes back. Um, even though I'm, you know, hey, I, I'm putting way more stock in, you know, let's get Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen back before we before we start rushing Saquon off of that high ankle sprain. So, um, it, it's... I don't want to lose sight of 
getting really excited about doing XYZ over the offseason. And now the Giants just flat out have fallen on their face to start the season. And I don't want to lose sight of what our goals were over the offseason and just be like, oh, well, it's not over yet. So let's so let's just pick up and move on and beat the teams that we're supposed to be. No, we were. Sub- That's not what this season was about. So, yeah, well, so to me, it was, though. Like my, I, I said ten wins, and that ten wins was like you got to pull one versus the Cowboys. So now that turn, that ten turns into nine for me. Right. Well, I guess okay. So I guess I misworded that. Let's compete better against the teams that maybe we're not supposed to beat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that works. But again, that a lot of that swings on Evan Neal, and then you didn't have Andrew Thomas and Bradison versus the 49ers, right. and that was a mess. But I, again, I didn't, I didn't have that. I, Evan Neal was my biggest hope, and. He's not good. So. Right. Beat Seattle. I'll get a lot more happy and enthusiastic and thrilled if we if we beat Seattle and the offense looks good and you know some play. It, a lot of it is player based too, man. Where well, I'm the not next even question is my biggest one where the expectation, uh, my worries of expectations. Yeah, a lot of it really is is player based, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Where it's not coaching, it's like I I I love freaking Wink, man. I, I love that game plan that that we had. I you know I, the thirty point comeback doesn't happen with you know the, some of the previous coaching staffs that we had in the past to you know get those explosive plays in the first place. So a lot of it I do think is player based and evaluation and talent based. So let's so let's move to the next question. Hi, it's Burner one and two at file sixty nine. Are you still optimistic about Kayvon Thibodeau, and do you have any idea why it looks like he has regressed? So we talked about like the week one game where they didn't run true pass sets and he was playing the run well. That was not the case these past two games versus the Cardinals and the 49ers. He was playing slow, high, and stiff. Even on stuff like stunts, he looked slow and segmented out there. Like, I need to see more fire in his game. That just wasn't there on Thursday Night Football. I mean, his pass rush win rate is 2.9%. Last year it was nine point seven percent, nine point seven percent down to two point nine. That's a, that's a drastic drop. When in reality you're supposed to improve, right? And the conversation with Kayvon was like, well, at least there's a baseline of a solid pass rusher, and we'll see what he can grow into. Well, it's like that baseline is not being met with with what we've seen these first two games. Where it's like he just does again. He looks like Jihad Ward out there, and that's an issue. So he played the well, the run well in week one. But this past week, like we, we need you to be a difference maker, and you're playing worse than you did your rookie season. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm thinking about because we have some extra time this week of clipping up every true pass rush, every front side of a run, and then every back side of the run, and let's watch and see what happened. What's going on with Kayvon Thibodeau? It's got to be a mental thing, and it's got to be effort. I don't think he's. I hate to. I hate to be this like like this man. I don't think he's giving it his all. I really don't. He's, he. It doesn't look like it. Is what I'll say. Like he, again, he's playing slow, high, and stiff. And There's he didn't no look reason. like that last year. There's no reason for a guy that showed some of the athleticism that he did last year, and definitely the guy that showed the athleticism at Oregon, that should be giving, the the output. That he's giving right now. Absolutely not. Kayvon, there should, Kayvon and Giants fans should hold him to a higher standard, and he's not He's not living up to it right now. Don't talk, because I can pull up plays of him on the backside right fucking a play up. 
Want to talk about being on the backside of a run, Kayvon? How about a backside in the run? You play the wrong responsibility. Instead of a negative five-yard loss, they get a 20-yard gain. Because you're not knowing what your responsibility is. You're not knowing that the safety's coming over off the edge and responsible for the quarterback. And you're sitting there like... So if we want to talk about backside of run and stuff like that, Kayvon, like, get some freaking pep in your step, dude. Because again, he looks slow and segmented. And he did not look like that last year. This is partially why I think you talked about this last year. This is partially why I wish we, you know, maybe we had like a Justin Houston in this room or even a Jerry Hughes who hasn't, who still has a little bit of pep in his step. I don't think there's anybody in this room right now in this, in this linebacker edge rusher room that can really hold Kayvon accountable. Whereas a guy like Justin Houston, who's been there, done that Jerry Hughes, who even though not as big of a big of a name as Justin Houston, but he's been there and done that. And he's had an NFL career. Jihad Ward can't be the guy in that room to hold people accountable when he's had the NFL career that he's had. Yeah, Jihad Ward's a zero as a pass rusher. Yeah. So, again, you cannot have a pass rush win rate of 2.9% compared to 9.7%. Now, I want to put this little side note where people are like, he's dancing after that sack even though it wasn't a great play by him. If my players aren't celebrating good plays, I'm yep. pissed off at them. So, yep. I... I, I did see a little bit of that, like, what is he dancing for? No, I want him dancing. I want him playing with high energy. I want more of that, honestly, out of Kayvon yeah. Thibodeau. Make more good plays and celebrate more. I want that. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty. Should I talk about something? Talk about something. I'll talk about something, We're always Bobby's. talking about something. Oh, we're always talking. You know, that's what we're doing. We're talking Giants, and we're talking DraftKings. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers, that's right, you listening to this, can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. You know what I can't wait for? I'm so glad the Giants are play, aren't playing on Sunday. The Bills and the Dolphins. That's going to be whew, a fun game to watch. I'm going to be at Billy's in the Bronx. I'm going to be watching it separate from my umpiring duties. And DraftKings isn't even... And, DraftKings isn't even stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and you and sign up with code WORLD. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 in instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code WORLD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.gambler.com. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in, in Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.com, draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible and gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Uh, shout out Ontario. You have draft. Shout teams. out Ontario. Be glad you be glad you did. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Uh, next question. Shout out the boys. Shout out, um, Chris Howell. The quarterback from 
Long Island University who throws it like a submarine. He's a submarine Uncle Rico, Sean Marion thrower of the football. From Queens, shout out. Uh, NYG fan in Charlotte, Research Rick, some some call him. There's a long way to go, but how has your assessment of the offseason moves, includes re-signings, restructured free agency signings, 2023 draft picks, changed since training camp? So we have a 2022 uh, conversation in the next question, which can be a lot. This is another one where it's like, okay, let's not overreact to one and two. What from this offseason would you do differently, right? Now, the big thing that people could point to would be the Daniel Jones contract, but I disagree strongly. And one, it's set up as a two-year deal, and the way to get... I, I don't believe in tanking. I believe the way to get better in the NFL is to play a good football and draft well. That's how GMs get stability. That's how head coaches get stability, and that's how you get better. And then, you know, we point, we point, we showed it. Like, tanking does not work in the NFL, and all the top QBs in the NFL were brought onto their teams the year before their teams had quarterbacks and were trying to win games. But I will put it at this. At If you said the Giants, even if you just said, hey, if you said the Giants would suck, what move wouldn't you do? Like the only one I can look at, because I want to I, I expect more out of Bobby O'Karake. I think he's playing slow. When he plays fast, it's amazing. But there's too often where he's just taking too long to process. But at the same time, I was always going to want to sign a linebacker this offseason anyways. Right, even if if the Giants went one and sixteen last year, Daniel Jones isn't back, Saquon Barkley isn't back. I'm using some of that free agency money to sign a linebacker, and they spent more than most other teams, so they get, essentially got their guy unless they were going to go after Tremaine Ed, uh, Edmonds. Paris Campbell was one they point to, but with that Paris Campbell contract, if he plays the full season, he's gonna it's gonna end up being like a four point seven million dollar contract because he's not gonna hit any of the incentives besides the per, the the active the per game active bonuses. So, like, what what draft pick would you, wouldn't you do? Like, to me, nothing has really... You could say the Waller one, but I, st- I think that's a good move still. Again, he's fifth in tight end receiving. Uh, and he hasn't had his big game quite yet. So, there's nothing that I didn't already not love about the 2023 offseason that has changed after these first two games. Like, Ashawn's playing well. Maybe Nacho you could talk about, but, again, I don't... At least the mindset, there's not much I would change because I'm still franchise tagging Saquon Barkley and I'm paying Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think this all, I, mean, I look at the draft. The draft is the most important thing. And, and the in-house, the, the in-house extensions too, because that's a lot of money on the books. And, you know, that's money that, you know, at the end of the day, you hope that, like Andrew Thomas, I hope we're restructuring Andrew Thomas in two years because maybe we need some more money pushed down the road, right? Same thing with Dexter Lawrence. Guys that should be here for a long time. But I I think they, they crushed the draft and they hit it out of the park. Now it's it's uh it's very early. We'll see. Um Deontay Banks is playing better than I than I thought that he would be that he would be playing too, and he's been really thrown into the fire. Maybe paying more for a better interior linebacker is something that I would is something that I would do. This defense is very married to just athleticism, athleticism, very fast, very fast, very fast. But, you know, maybe do do you ignore like processing and how important like that is too? And how even if you're a player that's a little bit slower, but if you process things faster, that actually does make you faster. Exactly. Which has always frustrated me when I said after the fringe, and I liked the fringe, but I was like, yeah, he's not as the same player uh, Blake Martinez. They're like, you're not, but Blake Martinez, the tackles and the fat. So I gave it. Martinez plays fast with his processing. Right. But Okereke can, like, it's. It's like five plays a game with Okereke where it's like, it's just play, like play with more instinctive, right? 
trust and hey, the defensive line's playing really well. With Dex, Leo's been playing well the last two games. Ashawn has been really good. Davidson was even playing well before the injury. So trust those guys. Like, and McFadden's been playing like that. McFadden just needs to freaking make tackles, and he's a solo will. With Okereke, you got to trust those guys. Even on the screen passes, it's like, what do you do? Play fast. Play fast. Because when he does yeah. play fast, again, it's the best linebacker play we've seen since Blake Martinez. Yep. Right, and it's and it even looks better than Blake Martinez when he plays fast. But he's got to play fast and trust his front, especially when you are, you know, you switch from a four three to a three four, where it's like, yeah, you we got five man fronts, man. We're putting you know, uh, you know, a nose and two three techs. Like you can you can run and be free, play free and fast. Yep. The other thing that I would this is such a small minute thing, but I don't care. You can sue me. You can say that he sucked. You can say that you didn't like him. You could say that we're biased towards him. They should have offered Nick Gates more than the veteran minimum. Because guess what? Guess who's playing guard right now for the Giants and we're feeling somewhat better about the offensive line, even if he's not starting, even if he's just a bench player. You're feeling better about this Giants offensive line and Shane Lemieux's not starting at guard. And then also, and we're talking, about, matters. And we're I think, talking I th- about somebody who could, if it's such a disaster with Evan Neal, somebody who could possibly play right tackle. But they would never yeah, I wouldn't want to pick Gates at right tackle. But with Gates, and we know this, we have inside info on this one, obviously. You can put two and two together there. Like, they they offered him the minimum. Like, I'm not – you didn't have – like, I think maybe if you don't offer him the minimum, he stays, right? If you give him, like, a reasonable contract and they had the money to do it. And they got lucky that JMS fell to 57. Because if JMS goes pick 56 – Who's starting at center for this team? Ben Bredesen? Yep. And then he gets a concussion, and then you're putting Shane Lemieux? Like, maybe you get Ricky Stromberg in the in the third round or something? I, I don't know. But that was very risky going into the draft with no center. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I would have definitely brought Gates back. But I like bringing Slayton back. He's been their best receiver through three games. Yeah, the 2023 offseason is not the issue. I, I've, I've loved the 2023 offseason, most of the moves that they make it. And, you know, and even like, you know, even some of the moves, like, hey, like Paris Campbell hasn't fully worked out. A lot of guys on one-year deals, they didn't extend a Dory Jackson. They didn't extend Leonard Williams. They didn't push money into the future to make some of these moves. They did it a little bit with Darren Waller, but like nothing that's making me being like, ah, shit, well, we're really going to have to pay for that besides Daniel Jones's $47 million cap hit next year. Well, but, even if they say, even if they drafted a, like if they moved on from DJ and draft a quarterback, I would still want Waller on this team for that quarterback. Correct. All right, next question. But This is where we can get real critical. But where it really comes down to is the 2022 draft class. CJ Griffith at CJ Griffith 17. Is the underperformance of the 2022 draft class more on the shoulders of Joe Shane, or does he get a pass considering the director of college scouting and the scouts were still of the old regime and not his guys? It's a tough question. He doesn't get a pass. I don't believe in passes. One, because what did Joe Shane say? I got the first three th- rounds done when he was four. hired, which we'll talk about in a second, or first four rounds, which we'll talk about. But at the v- very minimum, and may- people might disagree with miss this, Joe Shane does have good process. He knows how to run a team. And, but the question we've always, because I, I really like Brian Dillon's coaching staff. With Joe Shane, I love the process, but the, the yet to be seen, and they're like, well, this is where we can't crown this guy as a good GM, even though he does things that good GMs do, is it comes down to just drafting players. Like, that was my draft speech this year. It's like, it's simple as, hey, can you evaluate talent in the draft? Because that's what really turns 
uh, builds teams and sometimes and that's where it's like results can matter over process at times if you are if your results are drafting good players that was part of like the adam peters conversation in san fran but at the same time i think joe shane deserves four years as a minimum as a minimum because he's not dysfunctional deserves four years at him as a minimum you give a gm i think it's bad process to give him in again unless it's like gettleman bad where i want him fired after two years three years and then obviously four years it was done you probably want him fired after one year i wanted him fired after april 20th yeah, whatever, okay. 2018. Uh, um four years as a minimum give give it or give it a time a, t- a, t- a front office time but the 2022 draft class, there's, you can't get passes for that because the first round picks are the two ones that look the worst right now. Two like, top now, 10 Kayvon, picks. <laughs> Kayvon has to get better, right? Kayvon, like this cannot happen for Kayvon. Like this, it's at a point where it's like, I refuse to even accept it that the Kayvon's playing the way he's playing. Because we saw last year, like there's a baseline. But we, me and you came away from that draft loving the first two picks, which were Neil and Kayvon and the rest of the class was like, eh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But Evan Neal's been a disaster. You can't dream the the director of college scouting for not getting your like that's the GM is making that pick, uh, and then Wandale I think will be a solid player, but will he live up to pick forty two? I don't know. Azudu couldn't win a, a job over a guy who's been banished on this team. He's just been flat out banished. And Mark Lewinsky, flawed as being a healthy scratch for Nick McLeod and Darnay Holmes, and again, Flot looked horrible in training camp after like a first good couple of days. Dane Belton is not getting on the field. Uh, you got Bellinger, who's a solid tight end, too. McFadden, hit or miss. Like, yeah, the 2022 draft class right now looks horrible. It would just feel a lot better if the two top 10 picks were playing like two top 10 picks. That's what hurts the most. The rest of the picks could suck. Like, it would be it would be a win, Bobby. It would be a win. You know, we'll see what Wandale evolves into. It would be a win if you walked out of that draft being like, damn, two top 10 picks? They're playing like two top 10 picks. Win. 2022 draft. Win. Right? Yeah. And that's oh, why yeah. it's the loss. And, it, and then it's like, okay, you get Bellinger as a compliment. Wandale's a solid player. McFadden could be a bench line. Like, what? Like, Day you look three. back awesome. at the class with fondness, right? Like, the, the way we look back at the 2020 draft class of Gettleman, which is like the only, the honestly, if Gettleman had every offseason like 2020, he'd still be here because that was a great offseason from free agency to the draft. But like, everything. You got, I know McKinney hasn't played well, but. You got the first two picks right in Thomas McKinney. You screwed up, um, pair, and then you got like guys who have played all four years on day three. Even though you'd like to have more hits, but it's like those first two picks make it a good class. Yeah, like we need one cave. Like it's hard for me to like process what's going on with Kayvon right now. Evan Neal, I didn't have a lot of confidence in. I had a lot of hope, not much confidence. Like you've seen improvement, but it's just the the that's my big worry with Evan Neal. That's why it pissed me off when people compared him to Andrew Thomas. It's like, yeah, it's. I think the technique will get better, but some. I don't know if he's physically has the like has the speed and the balance to be really good in the right. NFL. Right. And I still think he can get to a, a solid point, but I don't have any confidence that he's going to be a, yeah. a really good tackle. You mentioned four years, and I think it's a good point because what the Giants showed this offseason, and Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they've all talked about it. They've all been very willing and open to willing and open about it about how the front office and the coaching staff, there's just great communication. And I think from free agency, from having just more flexible cap spending to begin with this offseason versus last offseason, they had zero flexibility. And then especially the draft, 
what the coaches are looking for and what the coaches value very much was in line with what they did in the draft. And that is why I think the difference between this regime and the last regime is you had coaches operating in spite of management and management operating in spite of coaching, and there was no philosophical alignment. And also, this coaching staff is also just awesome. And, like, Joe Shane deserves credit. No, they stink. <laughs> Joe Shane deserves credit for picking Brian Dable, and Brian Dable deserves credit for reaching outside of his own work zone and getting a guy like Mike Kafka and getting a guy like Mike Martindale. And depending on how far this Giants offense goes, none of them may <laughs> may even leave the building the next year, um, which that would, I would consider that to be a loss. I want Mike Kafka to get a head coaching job somewhere because I want the Giants offense to be better. But neither, neither here nor there. Something that was lost in the whole Dave Gettleman thing is, you know, the most important decision that you need to make as a GM is who you hire as coach. John Mara did middle in that with the Joe Judge decision, but neither here nor there. Joe Shane deserves time with Brian Dable. They showed it this offseason by their process and their philosophical alignment. You know, and Dable's just a really good coach. And if Shane goes, odds are Dable, Dable's going to. At least we, it's year two. Dable is, Brian Dable, I trust that Brian Dable's a good coach. Yes, Brian Dable is a good coach. Now, good process and philosophy does not make you a good GM and good front office, right? But I think it buys you. It should give you time. Yes, it should give you time. Like there has to be patient in the front office, or you become an unstable organization. You know, and if you gave Dave Gellman four years, there's no way in, in hell you don't give Joe Shane four years. And Joe Shane won't throw uh, his head coach under the bus like he did Pat Shermer. Freaking rat move by Dave Gellman, who was back in the uh, in the headlines a little bit this past Boston Globe. Too. All right, Justin, why don't you talk to us about something? Oh. I'll talk to you about something, I guess. Miracle Brand. That's right. They're the best sheets in the world. Did you know that temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? It's inspired by NASA. Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics that makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Bobby Skinner uses it, and I'm such a nice son that I gave it to my mother. Miracle, Miracle Made send us sent us some nice sheets. I'm like, here you go, mom. Let me know how it is. Check it out. And she's like, I'm never changing sheets ever again. They're self-cleaning and designed for your skin. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99% of bacterial growth, which can clog your pores, allowing them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. Go to trymiracle.com slash giants to try Miracle Mate sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you could save over 40%. And if you use our promo giants at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. What? Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash giants and use code giants to claim your three your three free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash giants to treat yourself. Thank you to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. And I'll eventually learn how to read. Doubt it. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Next question. Doubt it. Uh, oh boy, Wandell Rochinson at Glock underscore Roach underscore uh, Glock Roach. Glad you were able to change your name from uh, Jordan Schultz. Uh, what's the Giants' best unit? What about the best position group? 
Interesting question. I think it's the D-line, right? Dex is still amazing. Yeah. Larry Williams, he had some bad moments in the Cardinals game, but he actually had some good moments too, and then he was really good versus San Francisco. Like, he had an awesome game versus the 49ers. Um, and A'shaun's been really good, man. They've run a decent amount of three defense alignment sets. Like, to me, it's... it's I can't. I can't really make an argument for any other position to be honest either, too, which sucks. But Ashawn has nine run stops on fifty run. He defense looks good, snaps. dude. He needs to be like again. I, I know they want to play Nacho and DJ Davidson or whoever, but it's like I kind of just want those three guys on the field. Like and when we're going to two, we take one of them off. Um, I mean, Ashawn gives you more pass rush than the other two guys do, anyways. Do we start getting into some sets? I really hate doing this to Leonard Williams, but put Leonard Williams, his hand in the dirt, lined up as a defensive end. Ashawn Robinson next to him, Dex on the nose. That spacing doesn't really make sense, but Kayvon Thibodeau out on the edge? They they don't get into many formations run. They don't get into many defensive fronts like that to to make that happen, to be honest. That would be more like a four three than anything. Yeah, they've been they've been about. I I like the way the and I know the run defense has not been good. I actually thought they played fairly well versus San Fran. Here's the thing. RGB's gotta start playing the run better. They have sucked and I, I it doesn't it sounds stupid, right? Like all oh, the deep and I okay okay too, we talked about him. Like they are the di- you're the difference between a four yard gain and a fifteen yard gain sometimes. Or a zero yep. yard like like the they have to play better. Trey Hawkins, dude, his tackling effort was pathetic in this last game. Banks, how about getting off one block? And Adore hasn't looked this like Adore looked good as a run defender last year on the outside. In the slot, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. Where it's like you almost consider playing Darnay, to where it's like at least he can you know stop screens and and play forward and be in the run. Now I'm not saying that, but it's like the DBs have to start playing the run better. And I think even you know, we're talking DBs. I know we're talking the run game, but yeah, I think even when talking about stopping screens too, I think that's player execution. I think that's guys taking good angles. I think that's tackling. I, th- I think that's all those things that you just mentioned. I think stopping screens is inevitably related to that too. I don't think it's scheme. You you pointed out in the film review, there was one of the third and longs, like third and 14, third and 13, whatever. And the, and the 49ers ran a screen. The Giants weren't showing cover zero. They, they were dropped back. They had six guys dropped back deep. Six guys. That's like, all right, we're going to come, we're going to take good angles, and we're going to stop this play. They weren't showing a cover zero look at the front uh, on the line of scrimmage, and then they were thrown off by the screen. They had it set up perfectly where one of those guys should come up and tackle and make a play on the ball carrier. Nobody did. Yeah. it's Again, I came out, I came away from that 49ers game happy with Wink Martindale. Not happy with the, with, uh, the execution. All right, Justin, last question. Last question, Stephen Costanza at Alex Lorenzo CT, probably stands for Connecticut. Or where CTE. Does, where to who? Where does Josh Azudu play if Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen return? Okay, so we have Thomas at left, Neil at right, Jamis at center. Do you pit keep Bredesen at left and then move Azudu's position to the right? Because pardon me, is like, I'd like as to Bredesen maybe like even out the right side a little bit, but then it, I, I don't know. That's a very hard decision because like I, I'm, I I hate punishing Ben Bredesen for being the best of the guards, <laughs> but it's like you just continue to do that. And Azudu is more naturally played left. He's never played right guard. I don't think. 
I I don't I don't know the correct answer to this one, but this is why they cross trained. Yeah, but Azuda really didn't cross train very often, which is like <laughs> why kidding. maybe you put Azuda at left and Bredesen at right. I'm kidding. It's a mess, regardless. What, okay, so, what, what I mean? You tell me, what would you do? Azudu's got to start. And... Oh yeah, I mean they again, they banished Mark Lewinsky. He's banished. We'll never see him again. Wouldn't you have rather Shane Lemieux over him? Wouldn't you have rather just Marcus McKeithen's not good. Josh Azudu's starting this week. At left guard or right guard? I know he finished the season somewhat well, I guess. Wouldn't you have rather just eat the cap spit, the dead cap space? You'd lose get, money. Wouldn't you have rather just eat it and work to upgrade? Like we got it, we now got to work to upgrade this position. Well, no, because you could, they still could have upgraded. Like again, he, he they would have lost cap space by cutting him. And honestly, I don't want him playing over. They lost Lemieux. cap space by cutting Logan Ryan. I don't Ryan know if I want him playing season. over McKee, uh, playing. I don't know if I don't. I don't even know if I want McKeithen. Like McKeithen has not been good. Like some of the blitz pickups is we didn't get to do a mailbag last week. This idea that McKeithen played well versus the Cardinals to me is a foreign concept. I don't know what people were watching. He did not play well in that game. Had some good combo blocks, but that was it. And they still even Giants looked a little reckless. Like Gawinski, yeah, that's what happens. Um, and they weren't DJ wasn't pressured much because again, like we said. Despite the Cardinals' six sacks, their front is trash. So, like, I want Azudu starting, and if Azudu or Bredesen gets hurt again, I want Gawinski the first guy off the bench. Yeah. It's got to be. Not good. So, all right, you got to give an answer, though. Bredesen at left or Azudu at left, and then obviously vice versa. Put Bredesen at right, Azudu at left. I'm going to say just Bredesen at left, Azudu at right, to just be different. Because I, I don't know. I don't have a strong answer on this. And I'm the offensive line coach, so I should be, uh, should be firm with this. All right, that's an episode. We'll see you guys Friday for a preview of the Seahawks Monday Night Football game. Make sure to come hang out with us. Uh, tailgate. Again, tailgate. Check the link in the description. Um, you'll be glad you did. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.